Welcome to Miss Poppins, the Art of Parenting, podcast dedicated to creating a supportive community for new parents. I'm your host, Nikki Rishi, and today we have a special episode focusing on nurturing little minds. Join me as I interview an incredible woman who shares a passion for supporting moms and their kids on their development journey. We have the co-founder of Sprinkle Learning, Lindsay Bengera, an elementary special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst, as well as an influencer mom with over 300,000 followers who expertly combines her educational expertise with her experience as a mother of three. Her unique approach blends educational science with the real world experience, transforming everyday moments into engaging learning opportunities for her kids. When not innovating in education, Lindsay loves to travel with her family, relishing the relaxation of beach destinations and the adventure of woodland camping trips. Let's dive into our conversation with Lindsay to learn more about her remarkable journey and dedication to helping parents. Welcome, Lindsay. We're so glad to have you today on our podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Well, let's get started with your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and anything personal or professional you want our audience to know right away. Great. So my name is Lindsay, and I kind of started my education journey as a special educator at public schools in New York City. I did that for years. And then I took some more classes and I became a board certified behavior analyst. I felt like that was a good move to give me some more tools to use in the classroom with my students. And then I took all of that knowledge and got to share it with my three children that I have now six, four and two and started a um, educational based uh account on social media on um, Instagram, where I share activities and things that I do with my kids at home, outside, inside, touch base on all different types of learning, gross motor, fine motor, cognitive, developmental, all sorts of different things of types of learning. So that's uh, a little bit about me. Great. And you've done so well. You've definitely engaged your audience and you've done an amazing job creating a presence and brand. So there's something to it, of course. So t- let's let's go into the technicalities of what that secret sauce is. Um, sure. What strategies uh, do you use to create engaging and effective learning experiences for your children? That's a good question. I feel like it's important to think about, you know, how we can motivate and engage our kids so that they want to do these learning activities, right? So I think one of the biggest things that I think about is hands-on or experiential learning. And what I mean by that is like, are your kids or your students actively participating in the activity? Are they manipulating materials? Are they, you know, you know, so for example, if you're going to teach about plant growth, instead of just reading about plants growing, perhaps you are actually growing a plant, you know, even if it's just in a styrofoam cup with a little seed and dirt in your kitchen. Um, And maybe your child is drawing pictures or journaling, you know, the process as they go. So that is the type of um, activities that I like to encourage at home. Um, Another thing I think about a lot is how can I get my children to buy into this activity? And by that, I mean, like, you know, how can I get them to want to do it? 
And oftentimes appealing to their interest is what ends up ha- uh, helping a lot. So, you know, we do a lot of gross motor skills with Paw Patrol music playing in the background <laughs> because my son is totally into that. Or, you know, my daughter really loves baking and snack time and being in the kitchen. So we do a lot of math lessons um, that are revolved around food because who doesn't love snacks? <laughs> so yes, appealing to their interests has been really helpful in um, creating engaging activities for my kids. And Oh my gosh, yes, definitely. Like practical play, not just theoretical learning, right? Absolutely. So, um, and then um, the last thing I think of that, you know, really helps my kids is collaborating. So learning with other kids, learning with each other. I have three kids, so that is easy for me. But if you don't, you know, you can always on play dates, try to incorporate learning together because then they get practice, um, you know, in the mentor uh, role and the mentee role, they learn from others. And then you get social skills working on, you know, like that's a bonus. They're working on their social skills. So yeah, I think hands-on, appealing to the child's interests, collaborating, those are all strategies that I think make learning more meaningful and then therefore more memorable. I love that example about your daughter being in the kitchen and doing math and how do you even, I would not even figure out how you do the right and the left brain combo, but you know, counting um, Mm -hmm. eggs in the kitchen or subtraction, addition, things like that while you're cooking. great idea something to implement for sure with my twin crazy boys um and i don't know how you do it good for you super mom (laughs) no but there's always there's always some sort of a struggle right there's always some sort of a challenge um and in the learning process um i'm sure our little learners are struggling maybe with a particular concept um so what are your motivation strategies around that I get this question a lot, actually, because, you know, as humans, we gravitate towards things that we're good at and, you know, it feels good to be successful. So we want to do that more and more and more. But there are other skills we have to teach that children might struggle with. And so I think the first thing I always tell people is to focus on empathy and understanding, because I think it's important to the learner that you show that you understand, you know, I see this is tricky for you. I understand this is hard. Let's kind of work on this together. And that puts you at a very, like a comfortable um, atmosphere where, you know, they don't feel like you're towering over them, but you're going to do it together. Um, The other thing I do a lot with my kids when they're struggling is I try to break the skill down into more smaller manageable components. So for example, I was trying to teach um, my son letter recognition for all of the lowercase letters. And it's hard. There are a lot of lowercase letters. 26 is a big number. And so I finally just decided we're gonna focus on four. And I picked the letters of his name, L-E-V-I, his name is Levi. And not only did that help because I pulled in his letters in his name, which all kids think are the most important letters, right? Um, But it became more manageable because now we're only talking about four letters that he had to work on. And then I would slowly pull in letter by letter over time when I noticed he was being more successful and feeling more confident. So I think that really helps when you break something down into littler chunks. I love that. And then switching contests, let's say you're working on this one activity and then, you know, 
you've got to transition into something else or you've got to transfer that knowledge from one context to another um mm. you know these activities all sound amazing but how can you help our audience understand um how to help their kids transfer that knowledge from one context to another perhaps yeah so you're you're talking about like generalization like ge how do we generalize these skills you know you see my kids um in the home working on one tiny little snippet you know working on one skill or two skills but how is that relevant right what does that mean and i think one of the biggest things i try to do is relate it to their real world so for example i was playing a game with my three-year-old on the rug the other day where she was slapping number cards like numerals trying to recognize the numerals with a fly swatter we love fly swatter play <laughs> and um, you know, that's great and all, but now what does that mean? So then I would grab the flashcards and take them to the park with us. And I would say, you know, Hazel, how many ducks are in the pond? And she would count them and say five. And I'd be, I'd pull up the five flashcard that we used at home with that silly little flyswatter game and say, yeah, there are five ducks. Or how many swings? Three, grab the three flashcard. Yeah, there are three. So I'm connecting, you know, I'm building a bridge between this random activity we've done at home that maybe didn't mean a whole lot to their real world where now we've connected the two pieces together and it makes sense. So relating to their world, I think, is an important step in generalizing skills. Gosh, how do you even come up with these ideas? It's like you're the chat GPT for parenting. <laughs> I wish, um, I really do wish. <laughs> um, I wanna go back into one concept that you talked about, which is so important in terms of behavior traits. Um, you talked a little bit about empathy and how to really connect with your kids, right? And also that is relevant to this um, context switch that you're talking about, generalization, so many different things um, in terms of the way we connect with the children, where we connect activities. Um, there's the element of feedback, um, right? Um, and, and I'm sure empathy and so many different things play a part in it. And Miss Poppins has wonderful toddler um, behavior coaches, and we've done so many podcasts on it, but I'd love to also hear it from you. Um, our chat GPT mom, describe the type of feedback that you would give your kids when doing an activity. Okay. So yeah, feedback is incredibly important because it does shape their future behaviors, right? What you say and do and how you act after they've kind of solved a problem or done a skill is important. Uh, the first thing I always try to do is be specific. So if you were to imagine, you know, you're a three-year-old and someone just told you, your teacher told you to count the objects, you know, they place four objects in front of them and you say, okay, count the objects and tell me how many there are. Well, that four-year-old or three-year-old is going to count, start counting, and they might pick their nose, they might look over at Johnny, they might, you know, wiggle in their chair, and then they finish counting and tell you four. And you say, good job. Well, now that little three-year-old might think, oh, I picked my nose, I did so good, right? Because you weren't specific. So they weren't sure exactly what they did that was good. So I try to be specific with my feedback and say things like, good job counting each item only one time and then telling me the answer. So then they know the good job wasn't about picking their nose, mm -hmm. it wasn't about shifting in their chair, it wasn't about looking over at Johnny, it was about the math question. So being specific. The other thing that's really important with feedback is focusing on effort 
an improvement, right? Because it's not necessarily always about the product, the final, the final answer. It might be about the process that got them there. Um, maybe they got the answer wrong, but they made improvement from the last time. So, wow, I'm really proud at how much you've improved with this math skill. Or, you know, you spent a lot of effort on this problem. That's really important, you know, to focus on that type of learning too. The process is, is equally as important as the product um, in most, if not all cases. So, and then it's what the, uh, we learn in our adult life, right? It's not only about yes. the destination, it's the journey. Um, know. And if we can start so early to inculcate that idea, idea about life and life management, that that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I think the last thing I wanted to share about feedback that's also really important is, you know, offering it quickly and having positive feedback. So, you know, trying to avoid you did that wrong. This isn't right. Instead, you know, try something like good effort. Let's try it this way next time, you know, so that you are keeping it positive because a lot of times learners, especially the little ones will just shut down and want to quit if you, you know, say something negative. So, yes. In our, um, again, going back to how, how childhood shapes the adult world, we call that psychological safety. Uh, and that's a big buzzword nowadays in the professional um, environment for everyone. And, you know, you're creating that safe space to be able to have a positive reinforcement behavior and, and change in that manner. And they're, they know they can make mistakes, right? It's okay to yeah, do that. that and it's, it's, no mistakes are the beauty of learning, right? It is the beauty of learning. It's all about learning from your mistakes, just like how you and I are learning in our own startup world. Um, oh, on how yes. to pivot and evolve, you know, let's transfer that skill and that knowledge to our little ones. Um, and then last but not least, which which I'm sure is a very popular question, um, is, is this whole thing about comparison, right? Um, hmm. how, how do you advise parents on it, such as, you know, my child is about the same age as your child, but they're not able to do that skill. Are they developing normally? Are they behind? You know, this whole concept of comparison, I'd love for you to give our audience yeah. some tidbits on that. So I get this a lot, actually, DMs, comments, a lot of people are are asking me this question. And you know what, it's hard, nearly impossible as a parent to not compare, right? It, it just is. But the one thing I always tell people is there is a wide range of normal for, you know, in children for meeting these developmental milestones. And not only is there a wide range, but I also like to say, listen, look at your child as a whole. You're talking about this one tiny little skill and this one activity that you happen to see today on my account um, that they might not be doing like my child. Well, what about their physical, their social, their emotional, their cognitive development, right? Think of them as a whole, not just this one skill because kids are gonna have different strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, they might fall below normal for a couple things. And that's okay as long as, as a whole, they're still kind of developing somewhere in that normal range, right? And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, they are an expert on their child. And I always say, listen, if you are really concerned, you, you know, listen to your gut and do some research. I like to use the CDC website um, for developmental milestones. It's called Learn the Signs, Act Early. You can look it up. It's great. I use it for a few different things. Sometimes just to kind of check in, see where my kids are at. Sometimes I use it 
to look forward? You know, what can I be pre-teaching now that are skills that um, are coming up based on their age? And they list everything, all of the skills from two months to five years in different languages. It's a wonderful website. If you are concerned at the end of the day, that's what I would suggest research, but think of your kid as a whole. Remember normal is a huge range and everyone develops at their own speed in different areas of learning. Of course, the concept of early intervention is important. It's it's definitely it something to keep in the back of our mind, but mm -hmm. at the same time, allow the grace, the pace um, for a child to be a child, right? Um, and then you're right, develop at their own, in their own means. Um, with that said, thank you so much, um, Lindsay. It was wonderful chatting with you and appreciate you sharing all your strategies with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a really good time. I enjoyed speaking with you. Likewise. As we wrap up this special episode of Miss Poppins, The Art of Parenting, we want to thank you, Lindsay, as our incredible guest. We've journeyed through the world of nurturing little minds, exploring strategies to create engaging learning experiences, ways to motivate and support our little learners, and how to provide constructive feedback. Remember, every child's learning journey is unique, and as parents and educators, our role is to guide and support them with patience and understanding. We encourage you to put into practice the strategies and advice shared by Lindsay, and if you need further assistance or support, don't hesitate to reach out to the Miss Poppins app on the App Store, where you can connect with our team of experts, including development, behavior, care, and many more coaches, all dedicated to helping you master the art of parenting. Thank you. Thank you.